Hello? Hey, Jerry. Yeah, I can hear you. It's going good. Yeah, going all right. Good, good. Um, so quick update on uh, uh, the, uh, I guess, uh, I call them pundits, but I don't know if that's the right word. The social media people? Yeah. So uh, I got a hold of them yesterday. Um, first off, everyone that responded to me, I think it was everyone but CJ, uh, uh, let me know that they're, you know, they're on board. They did ask, though. But each one had kind of their own concern in terms of, for example, like Brandon Strata said, um, hey, I uh, was actually, well, it wasn't even Brandon Strata. I think it was like an aide of his. Uh-huh. Um, there, I, with the Capitol riots and things like that, um, some of them are under investigation, and some of them are saying that they think they might be under investigation. Um, it's kind of weird to read about this stuff and then talk to some of the people that are, I guess, are being affected by it. Um, anyway, long story short, uh, collectively they were asking for me to send to them what I had uh, provided to the president, that they wanted to review it, um, to send them the link, and they wanted to review it. And then uh, I would say between all of them, uh, they said to reach back out again over the weekend, uh, touch base, see if answer any questions they may have had, and then uh, go from there. All right, so... Let's let's get down to it. So, so why are they concerned? That's they're concerned because they're under investigation with with uh, President Trump, I guess, and they're concerned that sharing your story is somehow going to get back to them because they're under investigation. I, I think it's more about Betty, right? I think it's more about they have some negative spotlight on them, and so they just want to make sure that before they put their name to something, uh-huh. that they know what's going on. I think that's that, that's really the essence of what I was getting from it, was that uh, they're they're already in kind of warm water, um, and they don't want any more, I guess, negative publicity coming their way. So they just want to double check and triple check that they're on. That, that this is legit, not something that is, um, you know, like it turns out that I'm like a registered sex offender. I think that's what Scott okay. was like. Yeah, I just want to make sure that someone doesn't come back and say something like, oh, no, did you know this guy's a, regi- uh, a registered sex offender type of thing? I, I mean, did somebody say that? I mean, anyway, no. what you're trying to yes, figure out here, right, what I'm trying to figure out here is uh, what is each of those people's specific uh, concern, like, like, if you ask them, like, hey, uh, I don't even know how the call went, to be honest. I mean, I don't know if you asked, like, hey, do you want some uh, specific information or, or what, but uh, with, with I did. types of situ. Okay, so what, you remember what they said? Yeah, it was just, and, and again, I'm, I'm speaking collectively, so everyone didn't say this specifically. I'm just giving you kind of, I'm paraphrasing it um, uh-huh. for you, where it was more of, of, can you just give us information about, you know, your story uh, okay. so that we can read up on it, understand it better, so that we know what, you know, we can um, share via tweet or, or help you out in. All right. Um, well, here's here's an interesting thing. Uh and I'm just sort of speaking to like what thoughts somebody might have. So I, 
the MFR would be good, and I don't want to dissuade anybody from helping you out, but the MFR letter would be good in the sense that, you know, these people like Trump and, you know, that letter was to Trump, whatever. Um, but then, like, the, the other side is like, well, yeah, they're for Trump, but I'm, I'm worried that, like, them endorsing that letter or like being for your story, whatever, they're worried that uh, by helping you out in that letter being associated with Trump, that that's gonna hurt them somehow. And I'm trying, and I'm trying to think that that might ah, either. Okay. Yeah, do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. I, I don't think that that was it all. So it, it, okay. it was more. So what I what I asked them to do was I said, hey. Um, you know, in short, I've been I've been on this uphill fight to resume service in the Air Force. Um, and over seven years, I have, you know, over hundreds of thousands of documentation that I can give you. Um, but what I'm trying to do is is I got as far as as to the president's ear before he left office um, in request for him to sign a memorandum to allow me to go back. And, and I said, you know, I haven't been convicted. This isn't a criminal issue. Um, this isn't an issue where I'm under any type of investigation or, or anything like that. I said that uh, there was a letter um, that was in the process of reaching the president. It didn't get to him in time. But oh. now all I'm trying to do is is get this memorandum either to uh, President Biden or to just get something to happen um, so that I can get back into serve. And, and the only way I think that that something is going to happen is both from um, strong advocates in, in the, in, in the uh, social media realm, um, people asking questions and echoing the same questions that I've, I've had, um, and then adv advocates in uh, the executive side um, or even on the uh, uh, DOD side. Either way, the, the point that I'm making is that I can't do it alone. Right. Yeah. I mean, that, that was, that was all good. Uh, my, my, my concern is, and I think you did that, uh, is that when people, you know, associate things with presidents and getting things passed for like, you know, they were a civilian or whatever, that they just associate that MFR or memorandum to a president with being pardoned. And obviously, that doesn't apply to this situation at all. So right, right. I'm, I'm just thinking that. And, and I, made that, that. Really I made that really clear that this isn't okay. a pardon. That that okay. there, and and you know, I was almost pretty redundant in saying um, to everyone that look, I, this has nothing to do with a criminal case at all. And a pardon only is only applicable to something that is criminal. And I said, so I'm not asking for a pardon. This has nothing to do with the Trump administration directly. It just mm -hmm. so happens that my request was it was during the time of the Trump administration, even before then. But in terms of this memorandum, um, you know, whomever is in office, I really don't care. It doesn't have anything to do, per se, with the person that's in office specifically as much as it has to do with whoever is in command. Yeah, yeah. So that all sounds exactly how you should have said it so okay that's good um if you want do you uh so what do you think's next what's what's what do you imagine so, is the next maneuver um well 
I'm going to touch base them again on Saturday. Um, see if they had time to review it. Um, okay. I, I don't. Again, I don't think that there's going to be a problem. I think they just. Uh, here's a, here's what I and they didn't say this. This is just my feel on it. But they uh-huh. were shell shocked and are shell shocked with everything going on from the residual effects of of the capital. And so they're just kind of almost like PTSD, where some of them are under an investigation. Some of them think they're going to be under investigation. At the end of the day, they were all – what's that? So why do they think they're under investigation? Because basically there's a crackdown on anybody who was either A, at the the Capitol at the time of of the riots, or B – are strong, let's say, Trump supporters, and we're advocating to go to the Capitol on the 6th, they're mm-hmm. all being uh, uh, looked at. So, for example, Brandon Strada is, he was, uh, uh, he's, I guess, being charged with incitement. And that's oh. why I was talking to, like, his aide. He's being charged with incitement and had to uh, uh, basically lawyer up and prove that he didn't incite any violence or anything like that. Who is um, Brandon's so I, guy? What does he do? Brandon Strada, he is the founder of this of what's called a walkaway campaign. And he basically is a voice for people like disinfected, I guess, Democrats and liberals, um, who who both hated Trump, say in the beginning and then between twenty sixteen and twenty twenty, um, walked away from the Democratic Party. Uh, maybe became independent, maybe became Republican. Doesn't matter. They just walked away from the Democratic Party. Uh, that's kind of what his campaign was all about. And when he's like a like a like a legislator guy, he's a... no, just a big advocate. Just just a big okay. advocate. I think that he had a he had his own little like Twitter following that was in the beginning kind of bashing Trump and all this stuff, and then. I think like a year into the Trump presidency, he had like an epiphany and then switched it up. And that, that's really what got, a, I guess, his name in certain people's mouths is that uh, he was a big liberal Trump hater. And then he became a Trump lover. And then for like three years, went around the country um, uh, doing this walkaway campaign. And he had a huge Facebook following. I mean, Facebook, I think he had like two or three million people on Facebook uh, that would share their stories about, you know, being screwed by the man or by having faith in, you know, a certain political party and then finding out that it was just a bunch of BS. So, so that, that was kind of what his... What was the conversation you, you've had with Brandon as far as, like, you know, that's sort of on the lines of, like, sort of being screwed by the man? Because that seems like it, it might be something to play up and run parallel to, you know, the invisible hand that we're yeah. sort of facing. Well, I didn't. I didn't even have to say it that specific. I basically said, "Hey, look, um, I'm. I'm just at this point. I said, you know, and this was again in. I want to say the first time I talked to him was August, um, August or or June or something like that. And I basically said, look, I'm. I'm being screwed over by just the system in and of itself. Um, I, I don't have a voice. I definitely don't have a platform. Um, and the only way I get anything to change is if someone helps me with this." And, and I think that was enough to just have somewhat of an echo to what he stands for and what his campaign campaign stands for. Um, I let him know that, look, I'm not, you know, this isn't a partisan issue for me. I'm just whoever I think that could help. I'm willing to knock on their door and, and see if it will open. Um, I do think that President Trump will be more inclined to do something because it seems like, and this is, again, way back when, when I first talked to him, I said it seems like he seems like someone who doesn't really care so much on 
on on what someone might say as, as much as he's just going to do what he believes is right. And I said, so, you know, if he finds favor in my case, I think that he might be one um, that would, would find uh, or that would change things and, and allow me to serve again. Um, right. I mean, he was and he was completely on board at the time. At that time, I let him know that, you know, I have a letter uh, that I sent to the chief of staff. I hadn't gotten a response at that point, um, but I was reaching out to try to build some type of, I think it's right around the time that I first started talking to you as well, um, just trying to say, hey, can you help me get my, my story out and, and echo my voice? So that was the time. Um, we left the conversation at basically when I got a response from the chief of staff to let him know, um, and if I had something that I wanted to share or whatever, to also let him know. I didn't do anything. Um, except for just kind of hold on to his number and his contact. Cause again, I was waiting on the chief of staff to respond and I didn't and, want to say something or do something wrong at the time. And you, so how, and this is all the conversations you had with the Estrada guy and right. Yeah. So this, this was and, kind of the, basically the theme with everybody. But, but, but you talked to him over the phone. Yeah. Well, not at first, at first I hit him up on Twitter. Okay. Um, they had their messages open. Um, then if they came to, so for example, Scott Pressler came to Atlanta and I went to like one of the, um, I guess like a little, he had like a cleanup, um, uh, cleanup Atlanta, cleanup Los Angeles type of thing where people would just go around picking up trash. Uh-huh. And so I went there personally to talk to him and that's how I met him. I got his cell phone for Brandon. Um, I hit him up on Twitter, uh, went back and forth a little bit on Twitter and then got his cell phone number. Um, okay. for the rest, it was on via Twitter or via Facebook. All right. And, uh, the Estrada guy, uh, you, so you got his number and you were able to talk to him over the phone. Yep. Oh, sweet. All right. That's all good. News. Yeah. So everyone I'm talking, I'm telling you now I have their personal cell phone number. So I'm not like hitting them up via message on social media. I'm, I'm giving you kind of like the conclusion of, I have their cell phone numbers and, and, you know, it's a text or a call. So it's a little bit more, I'm, I'm a lot closer to them than just like getting them off out of the blue and asking them to do something. Yeah, no, it's good. Uh, I'm just kind of curious, like, you know, where we're at. Yeah. Uh, so, so, all right. So, uh, I want to review a, a little bit. Uh, so what are their concerns or what do I need to do anything? What do we need to do next? As far as before the weekend goes, anything like that? So uh, nothing yet with them. Nothing yet with them. I think we wait okay. till they review what I sent to them. Um, and then when I talk to them again over the weekend, then uh-huh. we'll have a better idea on what um, what would be a part, you know, a, a move that maybe you should do or not do or what have you. We'll have better, better insight. Um, I think that uh, – so, that, yeah. so that's just with them, right? The other thing that I was working on um, is Warnock and Austin. Yeah. And so I I called the DC staff to ask them pretty much, hey, is there a uh, a, a local staff or office that I think there should be uh, that I could you know go and and speak to and share my case? Um, they let me know that they weren't quite sure where the new office was going to be because they said due to COVID reasons. I wasn't quite understanding their reasoning to be honest with you. They were telling me it's like because of COVID. They, they haven't found an appropriate office yet, but they, they would within a week. It, it didn't make much sense to me. Well, um, guess, so I basically, my guess is with that, uh, you probably weren't talking to somebody who knows what's going on. 
as in like somebody yeah. the campaign or yeah uh they were just blowing smoke up your ass i'm not really sure which is which well i think it, i think it's a combination of the two because uh i mean i don't know if you know this but like you know when you're talking to a staffer that's such a you know broad statement usually the person that picks up the phone is like an intern right and and of right. course they're not going to know this squat um anyway what i did get was i asked them if i could speak to the deputy chief of staff or the chief of staff um and for off for warnock uh i got a a what was it a tentative appointment for tomorrow at two o'clock Whoa. um that i might be able to speak to their deputy chief of staff for so also yep for both or for, for no 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 for warnock for warnock oh. He, he's the guy we want to, I feel like we should pursue it anyway. I don't know why, I just got to feel yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and so for for office, I got a, and I'm going to just reach back out to them again, but I just got a, we'll leave your number. We'll have someone, you know, go ahead and call you back when they're available. That's 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 just blowing smoke, you know, so I'll, I'm going to call them back tomorrow. Um, okay. So that's, that's what's pending with, with those two, with Alveda King. Um, I spoke to the secretary of, uh, what was it? Um, oh, I have it written down. Hold on, let me bring it up. Uh, can't find it. My computer's just freezing on me. Hold on. You're good. So you said you were talking to Albita? Uh, not Albita personally. Uh, one of one of the secretaries. Okay. I don't know if I'm around Wi-Fi right now, but I wonder. Um, does like Alveda have a big following on Twitter or something? Um, I'm not quite sure. Let me see. Uh, Alveda King Ministries. Okay, so it's Alveda King Ministries, and I asked if I could speak to someone um, to briefly share my story and and hopefully get in contact with Miss King herself. Um, tomorrow I'm speaking to one of the um, outreach or what is it? Uh, Deputy Communication Directors. Um, that's going to be tomorrow at 1230. Wait, with Warnock or with Miss King? With Miss King. With Warnock, that's at two. Is that Warnock is at two? Yeah, Warnock is at two. Miss King is at, is at 1230. Well, that's good. You got two really good, uh, two really good leads tomorrow. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and I think, um, so, so here's how I, here's how I see it going. Um, if Asif doesn't, you know, if I call Asif tomorrow and they're still blowing smoke, I think uh -huh. that Monday or the beginning of next week, um, it might be something that on um, urine, I think, you know, again, it's it, it, it's almost like playing um, playing dumb in a sense, but calling up to say something like, you know, I'm just seeing, you know, if this is you calling their office, you could ask them. I was seeing, you know, if Ossip had any comment or if he was going to or not do something on, you know, this story. Um, yeah, I could throw them butterflies in their stomach a little their way. I could throw them Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I okay. think that, that, you know, as a, especially as a journalist, you're the voice of accountability, right? So I think at the end of the day, whatever they do or don't do, it's still something to follow up on. It's just a matter of, you know, when do you follow up on? Well, Ossip, yeah. I think that that'll be, I think that's worth doing on Monday. Um, for Warnock, I think it just depends on how tomorrow goes. Okay. Um, and for for the rest of the social media pundits, um, again, we'll see how the uh, the weekend goes. But you know, also if I would just kind of pencil down to Monday. Okay. Well, well, you you're saying penciling in like like you got it, 
right now. I mean, maybe you do, but uh, anyway, besides the point, uh, here's what I'm thinking. Uh, I, I zoned out a little bit while you were talking because I was thinking some. Uh, how do you feel about Friday? Uh, we sort of record that first episode. That way, when you go to talk to the influencer people on Saturday and whatnot, you'll be like, hey, me. we yeah. got this episode uh, a little bit, a little bit more. Uh, uh, what would be the word? A little bit more uh, cogent to their understanding of what's going on, as opposed to, you know, like a random conversation we had, where we're, from what I've heard, like sounds technical or whatever. Uh, but uh, you, anyway, so just the straight episode, you know, but just have it be like a conversation, like we generally have and uh, do that Friday and then that way Saturday you'd be like, I got something for the YouTube to send your way, da da da. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's a good idea. I mean, okay. it gives them a reference point. You know, it gives them, um, you know, if you want to say, you know, something along the lines of, you know, hey, if you, if you want to know any more background or, or anything like that, you know, here's a podcast or something to refer back to. Um, and I think that's a lot more digestible then, hey, here's, you know, 300 pages of documentation, right? So I think I think just kind of listening, um, you know, when you're maybe you're in the car, maybe you're on your way somewhere or something like that, yeah. that's a lot easier uh, to digest than it is to say, uh, you know, hey, do you want to do some reading on redacted documents? <laughs> right, right. And I, I got a little – so the thing that I sent you, uh, I mean, you can also hear that same thing on Spotify, so – I, I already have like episodes, not many people, so like maybe 30 people listen to it or something, but okay. it's on Spotify. And uh, so I got one, the same episode or one of our past talks is on Spotify and YouTube. So I'm just saying we have that ability when they share, whether it's through Twitter or whatever, you know, we'll have, we can have a link to Spotify and YouTube and the Patreon too. So. Just for easy okay. when people, yeah, I don't know, it's just something. No, I, I'm, I'm with you, yeah, and I think it's good. You know, again, I think something like this is, um, and, I, and I said this, you know, from the start that, you know, the difficulty I have is that all these systems and processes, they want me to send stuff. But, you know, I don't think that, that this is easily explained, especially when we're talking details via electronic documents, right? Like, there has to be a conversation. And so when it comes to, you know, the podcast and, and the platforms that it's on, I think it's vital um, for any and everybody that wants to actually understand it because, you know, I don't think any is a better way to do so. Right. Um, in terms of, you know, what it means to, uh, I hate to use the word market, something like this, uh, I'm really uncomfortable with this idea, but let me hear what your thoughts are. Uh, when they go to tweet it, Facebook it, whatever, MySpace it, uh, I'm wondering if there should be like the quick grabby title, like here's a story about a government cover-up or something, because that sort of word seems to get attention because people these days love conspiracies. So I don't, I don't know, maybe. No, I think, I think that does play a part, right? Because, um, 
look, at the end of the day, especially when we're talking social media or people who are associated with social media, I think, um, you know, they, they, will, they will jump first at the headline and then jump again depending on what, what's underneath the headline. But if the headline doesn't make anyone jump and say, oh, what is this? Then right. it doesn't matter how good the story is beneath it because no one's actually going to listen or, or read it. So I think the headline or putting a headline and having it somewhat catchy or something that people would be interested in clicking um, is, is a fantastic idea. I mean, I think it's great. Yeah. I mean, I'm just wondering, like, what, a, what I'm just kind of balancing the idea of, like, what approach I would even take or what, you know, we would even get out of this approach as far as if they would even put that in their tweet, like, hey, this is a government cover-up, or I don't even know how they'd word it, but maybe just, like, how you, when you talk to them, like, I, I, I don't know, like, because uh, it was kind yeah, of, I, I mean, it's not untrue to say it, it was a, it was not a government cover-up. I mean, I and I think what my problem is, what I'm struggling with here is maybe the reality of the situation, and that it is a government cover-up, or that, uh, I don't know, like, are we right in the middle of history here? What's happening? <laughs> well, I don't I don't think, and, and I go back to the way Dave Phillips put this, I don't, there's a buffet of stories, and, and, and my difficulty is, has and always seems to be is that, um, you know, there's, 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 you can go right, left, up, or down, and you won't be wrong. Right. And, and so if, if we were to say, um, for example, you know, you're saying government cover up that that that's not to me much different than saying an Air Force cover up or um, a military. cover. You know, it's still going to fall under the house of the, of the government. I mean, cover, I mean, yeah. You um, can, but, yeah, but really exactly. Kind of besides yeah. the point. I mean, just using the word cover yeah. up, I think I'm just uncomfortable with it because, you know, that sort of means that, you know, loaded. Well, I mean, it is, and it's not even inaccurate. It's just that, fuck, I mean, we're in the fucking right in the middle of it. We're in the middle of it. Yeah, this. I mean, yeah, absolutely. And and to kind of give you a little bit of a, a, I guess, sense on it, you know, some of my friends who, and I mean friends that are my squad mates that, you know, I talk to from time to time and, and the, you know, they're kind of, lack of a better word, in the know, both with me and just, you know, with their job profession. Yeah. Um you know, I've I've had from again these are my classmates, some in case my best friends, um, would say things like, "Hey, bro, just make sure that you know you have your stuff on a backup server, and like you know someone close to you, if you want to give it to me or something like that, that if anything happens, at least you know we can provide your story and whatnot." You know, so you know, it's kind of like a wow. It's it, it's both like on one hand, like that's that's. You know, it's crazy talk, this and that. And then on the other hand, it's like, no, it's, it's pretty real, but it's almost surreal to think that it's real. That's, yeah, maybe that's the thing that I'm just struggling with. I mean, it's 100% real. And I mean, if surreal, you yeah. go for that wording, you know, yeah. I mean, I, I just think with nowadays, it's just really strange to think that. You know, people keep asking for, you know, something real, like a like a like a real story, and here we are, we're right in the middle of it, 
and we can mm-hmm. offer it. I almost feel like it, it, what, what, what I'm struggling with is that from like an audience perspective, it almost sounds too good. It almost sounds too like, like Fake. I'm going to be blown, especially with like the media landscape to now, like how many clickbait headlines there are and how many, you know, we just, people just blow smoke up our ass. Like it's just everywhere, you know? And I think yeah. that's what, like, for instance, I, I think I told you this the other day, but I, I saw a story in the New York post that said, Oh, I, I'm pretty sure I told you that a golfer uses uh, F word at himself after missing putt. Like, why is that news? Like, he called himself a faggot <laughs> because he missed the putt. Like, why is that? Why? Why is that yeah. the most pressing matter? And I mean, I don't. Know. Well, you know, and I think it kind of links somewhat to what we were talking about before when we were, you know, going over how words like racist or Nazi used to have meaning, and it yeah. seems like words that used to carry this weight have lost that value or that weight or that that significance and. And I think that, you know, that's pretty similar to, to what you're describing now is the fact that, you know, it, it, it's a big claim to make, not to say that it's not real, but it's almost as though in the media landscape and somewhat in the cultural landscape, you know, these words and these phrases and these things that mean something have been devalued because everyone is saying it or has said it to something yeah. that was just kind of like BS, you know, there's a false equivalency to the wording and to the story. Um but I think that in a way, yeah, you're right. It, you know, it's kind of, it, not kind of, it is a concern. But at the same time, um, I think it, you know, for those who actually take the time to read and wonder what is this about, I think it will help restore some of that because this is a story that, that is appropriate for the headlines. And I think that, all right, so keep that what you just said in mind, okay, because that's important, all right? Mm-hmm. Like, can you, can you actually repeat that for me just so I hear it again? Yeah, so that I, I think that that keeping – so that this story um, fits what the headline is, right? That this story isn't devalued or isn't clickbait or isn't um, uh-huh. um, about just seeing, you know, how many people we can get to look at it. And then the minute they click or they start to read, it's, you know, it falls apart or what have you. This is a story that helps restore – the, the people's understanding or belief or trust in the headline because the story is, is real, right? So to help restore what, what the value of, in this case, you know, a government cover-up actually means or to restore the faith in, in the trust and the integrity from the reader to the author and understanding of the story, I think that, that even though we, you know, there is a growing risk because people are abusing um, and compromising that integrity on the journalistic side okay, and okay, social okay. media. So, Eric, here's what I – Yeah. what you just said that you want – and correct me if I'm wrong, but you said that you, the headline should match the story, okay? This is yep. absolutely something when you talk to the influencer people on Saturday – that is going to be, I feel like, their main concern. Like, when he's like, oh, this is government cover. Like, uh, okay. Like, that's like the first chance that they're going to feel uncomfortable. I, I, I feel like that's what's going to happen. They're going to possibly feel uncomfortable at the idea of calling this a government cover up. But 
providing that, you know, that made that first episode will merit what we're talking about, that the headline matches what the story's about. Or maybe, uh, you know, the floating chip tip of the iceberg that you see, you know, there actually is a real iceberg. It's, it's, it's not a joke. There is a concern under the iceberg. It's not just a little floating piece of ice. This, this is hefty. There is weight under the ice. I don't know. Maybe that was a bad metaphor. Yeah, it, it's no, it's not an ice cube. It's an iceberg. You're right. Right. Yeah, that's a better way of putting it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And and you know I but here's I I think that you know I think you're right. But I think also the people that I'm that you know we're talking to are people that are more or less primed to to see that right. So these guys are are both. I, uh, some of them are so. conservative, some of them are, are liberal, but all of them have this fundamental understanding that um, the system is broken, right? And and based right. off of that perspective from, from both sides, you know, they're more at, I mean, for Pete's sake, that's why they're saying, like, you know, I want to make sure that I, you know, that this is something worth putting our name to. You know, I think that that kind of gives credence to the fact that they don't want to just jump on any boat. They want to say, even if the boat is highlighting a failure in the system, they want to understand enough to say, yep, there's a failure in the system. You know what I mean? So I think it's more or less credence um, to them. And, you know, I, I told them this as well, and I told them this in, from the very beginning. I told them, you know, again, this most recently, is that, look, you know, if, if, if there is any question or, or concern as to, as to validating what I'm saying or wanting to know more about what's going on, I said, I will, I will give you everything or give you the context or, or, or give you the roadmap or you can find your own roadmap. I'll give you everything I have to find it. The only thing I ask is that you actually look, because if you don't look for the answer that I can't give you or that you're looking for, um, then, then I, I, I don't, it doesn't mean that the story isn't real. It doesn't mean that, uh, it's inflammatory. It just means you don't want to look. You could even like play down, you know, looking, look, like saying like look almost means like, yeah, you got to dig. You'd be like, no, you don't have to dig at all. You you really don't. Like, just throw your dart anywhere at the dartboard. You're gonna hit something. I guarantee it. You know. Well, I mean, well, no, I am. I'm with you. Look, and and this is kind of it, it's, it's interesting because when I spoke to Dave Phillips, remember Dave Phillips was the first reporter. Um, in the very, very, very beginning. I know. Very, I, very beginning, I see yeah. the Gazette uh, Pulitzer Prize 2014 <laughs> every day, and it pisses me off that they wouldn't even <laughs> give me the time of day because yeah. of the story. Yeah, like when I first uh, spoke to him, Nick, I didn't have anything. I didn't have any uh, – when I was first talking to Dave Phillips, I didn't have the FOIA documentation. I didn't have the, the things were still pending via the congressional inquiry. So what I told Dave is, I said, "Look, if I were you, I'd be like, man, this kid is nuts." But I said, "Take the side of the Air Force." And all I can say, because I can't show or prove anything, Brandon wasn't even speaking to me at that point, right? Like I had nobody. And I said, "Take be biased against me." And I said, "And go to the Air Force and just ask them questions, starting with." If this kid was so terrible, why did he get an honorable discharge? I said, just whatever opens, go down that road. And if you find that this is a story that could have value, 
here's my number and I'll be here. But I, I don't have anything to prove what I'm saying besides that. And right. he said, okay. And within two weeks, he said, I thought you were bullshitting me. But I really think that there's a story here. And then things began to unfold, right? So, you know, it's the same thing. The only difference, though, right? The only difference is that people nowadays seem to have a lot shorter uh, uh, attention span, right? And so they're just quick to either say, I believe or I don't believe, regardless of facts. If the facts are there, right. maybe they'll believe it. Maybe they won't. But they don't really care to go dig or, or look any deeper. And that's been challenging, right? So, so yeah, I, I uh, you know, seven years fast forward. Well, there is, there is, you know, 500 ways, and I'm, I'm, you know, exaggerating, but there's 500 different ways now you can look at this story from different perspectives and find without, you know, doing too much right. work that it's real. Well, and that's, and that's what I'm saying. Like, just even, I just want to say, like, when you're talking to these people, like, play it down. Be like, hey, you know what? Maybe I'm, I'm, I'm wrong, but throw the dart anywhere you want at the dartboard, and I guarantee you'll, I will be backed up every single time. Like, if if I if I made it this far and I'm wrong, then I gotta go to the fucking Gazette and burn it down because they do not deserve that Pulitzer. <laughs> so, well, I mean, not only that, like, you know, I I hope the CIA you know reach out to me because I'd be some type of propaganda wizard. If that was the case. Good God. Yeah, and you'd be <laughs> a fucking master at it by now. Yeah, yeah. Send send me to Iran or something because. You know, I, I'm all over that that propaganda warfare. Is this guy a Russian? Is he is he like one of those yeah. for special spies? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to Columbia University, you know, at the war college, and, and teach you guys how to do psychological warfare. Yeah, I guess. Um, so. But you know, at the at the you know at the end of the day, I I think that I I don't I don't think that they're questioning it. I think what we're speaking to is kind of third and fourth order effect, because you know they're not going to give me their cell phone number if they if they didn't find some type of credence into it. I, I firmly believe that. Um, yeah, I think what we're talking right. about more is the readers and, and starting to reach out into the masses. And I think uh -huh. that maybe um, because, you know, I don't think we're saying something that isn't really nuanced or really isn't partisan, because I think both left and right will both say that, oh, yeah, you know, the headline doesn't match the story all the time. And, and you know, maybe in the headline or in the both, I don't know if this should be literal or metaphorical. But maybe it should be in the headlines something along the lines of government cover-up, and then you know your subhead is where the where the headline matches the story. <laughs> you know, because right. I would click that. I would be like, oh, but I mean, I mean, even today, exactly it, it, it's like it's funny because I feel like from a traditional journalist perspective, having a headline like that, like government cover-up like something along those lines that's like traditionally like playing with fire you know you don't say that unless it's actually true and in the case of like like watergate like or it was like yeah. president nixon like you didn't say that kind of stuff back then unless it was true and yeah now nowadays i i guess that's probably way more accepted uh, well, I'm, it, well, it made it, it more partisan. Would be. Go ahead. Well, it, I, I I go back to like the racist example, right? Like it's it's almost like you know a few years ago, if I said he or she is a racist, it would almost be like a gasp in the room, like, oh, whoa, yeah, yeah, wow, that's, that's a heavy thing to make. You know what I mean? And now yeah. it's like I could walk down the street, you wear a certain hat, and I call you a racist, and people just look at each other like, ah, eh, okay. You know, so it's it's almost like it's, it's watered down with with the government cover up. It's like, 
you know, everyone has been inundated with so much government cover-up, corruption, bureaucracy, you know, X, Y, and Z, that before mm-hmm. it carried weight, but both sides now say it so freely um, for whatever is going on in the media landscape at the time, that it's almost like, huh, you kind of shrug your shoulders and think, no, well, you know, what's different from this and then what someone else said a week, a week ago, you know? Um, right. and, and so I, I get it, but I do think, I do like think Hillary's that, a lizard person or something. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Which, like, you know, Hillary, that might Hillary's be my next story. Person. I don't know. <laughs> this thing goes yeah. well. I want to prove Hillary think, is a lizard person. To be to be honest with you, I think that's why people like Joe Rogan and whatnot are so successful because although it it there's so much and some of it's crazy and some of it's real. I think what makes Joe Rogan so attractive is, you know, he'll have people on that'll be like, so, have you read the headlines about Hillary Clinton being a lizard person? What do you think about that? Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and, and so, you know, things like that, it's because, you know, there is, you know, the headline doesn't match the story. And oftentimes there are some types, you know, the, the best, the best, I don't, I don't, I want, I guess I should say lie is, is a lie that has some truth to it. Right. And so, Oftentimes, whether it is a government cover-up or not, whether it is conspiratorial or not, there's only some grains of truth in it. And I think people still click, even if they think it's a crazy story, they still spend some time pondering it because there is always some truth to it. In this case, it's one of those where it's like, hey, look, there is all truth to this. Um, There is redundance of facts in this. And, and the only difference between this and another story is that no one wants to provide any audience to this because of that, right? So it seems like the stories that are true, that, that, that aren't inflammatory, that have the facts, those are the stories that, that don't seem to see the, the light of day very easily, while the other ones just, you know, kind of throw out there for whatever narrative uh, it's designed for. So I do think that, that people today more or less are more open to to seeing a cover-up um even with you know less facts um than than what it is today well that's kind of scary i mean you know it there's probably like two audiences that will probably reach hopefully one big audience if we do it right uh the two different audiences would be uh oh you know this really is a government cover-up and the other audience would be like, oh, this is a government cover-up, but, whoa, this is way too much information or something. Like, this is – I wanted just to hear you about know, lizard people, not like an actual thing, you know? <laughs> you know, I'm hoping it has the effect that – have you been have you been following the most recent story about uh, what's going on with the GameStop and stock market and, and all that stuff? I've just seen uh, – what is it? Headlines? I haven't really – given a shit or looked into it but why do you know why what's going on with that yeah so so in a, in a nutshell what, what's going on is that um so so uh, hedge fund um donors and, and stock investors will, will essentially do things where they'll find a business that is that is failing uh-huh. and they'll buy stock in that business that is that is failing and, and i'm just really in a nutshell putting this there so what they'll do is they'll buy stock in a business that's failing so that uh, the borrowed stock, again, these are hedge fund type of donors and things like that. If I give you, here's, here's a good example. If I, if I give you uh, $10 um, for, for one stock and you go, okay, I want to make some money off of this. 
So I'm going to borrow the stock for $10. Uh-huh. I'm going to go to the stock market. I'm going to find a, you know, that business or whatever. I'm going to invest it for, uh, for that $10. And yeah. if the stock goes under or the business begins to fail, let's say that, you know, their stocks go to five. Well, then what I'll do is I'll sell it. That means that, uh, I'll get the stock back. Um, and then I'll give, I made a profit of another $5 and I'll give the other stock to, you know, whoever I borrowed it from. So what happened is that this Reddit community, a bunch of just average Joes who just do kind of like cash app type of stocks, uh-huh. they found that this hedge fund, uh, I think they're called like Melvin or whatever, this Melvin hedge fund, but I think it was like I don't know, $50 million or $50 something dollars worth of stock in GameStop. Knowing Uh-oh. that GameStop is failing, what they did was they, they borrowed it um, uh-huh. from, from their donors and said, we'll make a profit on this where we, where we invested at a higher number, and when it starts to fail, then we're going to make a profit at their hey, failure. Eric, let me, let, let me yeah. just pause you right there before you tell me the punchline, okay? Okay. So one of the themes that I've been, like, thinking about, and I've been, I sort of roped into it a little bit in that first article I sent you, uh, but mm-hmm. I'm going to... This is this goes back to like a literary sense of like Hemingway's iceberg theory. I'm just gonna sprinkle it in, but it's I think it's completely appropriate. Uh, the way of life in America uh, before 1970s, it used to be, uh, you know, you could get a car and a house and a dog and whatever, and that was based off you know, where you worked at, uh, your wages, whatever. What story never got brought up, and it didn't get brought up, I think, because it was, people were very hush-hush about it. It was the idea of this, like, American casino. So Mm. the only people that can play in the game are the people that are wealthy. But... The people who are wealthy, they're not going to risk their own money, okay? Who are they going to risk? They're going to risk the people under them money, whatever. The Anyway, you, you've seen this story play out many times, but you may not have noticed it. With In 2008, right before I was getting ready to go to college in 2009, there was a huge housing collapse. You know, go back... A little bit after that, uh, I can't remember. There's probably some other big financial disaster. I mean, and now they have Corona, and uh, stocks went up while people were fucking dying in the streets, and they weren't able to like have enough money for food. Like, mm-hmm. it, it, and nobody's talking about that. And it all goes back to this idea of sort of the American casino in the 1970s, like where institutions, they, the banks started deregulating and all the banks started, you know, conglomerating together. And you saw mm-hmm. that uh, monopolizations of like mom and pop shops. Like, you know, you were a kid around the time I was a kid, but I mean, where I grew up, Walmart just ate up all the little mom and pop shops, like all the antitrust stuff and 
Oh yeah. I mean, I lived in a small town in but, Texas, right? So mom and pop stores were everywhere. Right, but I mean, there was the money that people saw that they could make, you know, through the stocks, as opposed and risking somebody else's money, looked far better in their eyes than the idea of like doing decent work and like getting paid for it. And the workers been given the rag for like about 50 years. And it's even more poignant now than it ever has been due to the Corona stuff, you know, like where was the government? Where was the government bailout? What they gave us one $1,200 check. Every other industrialized country in the world got like 90% of their wages you know paid for by the government but in america it's a casino and if you don't have the money to play then you're shit out of luck but if you do have the money to play ironically enough you don't have to risk it you can risk it based off the workers money and if you're wrong you're going to get bailed out yep yep so yep. I've well, that, 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 sprinkling that. It, into, go ahead. You can tell me the punchline now. It ties in exactly to this, right? And so what essentially happened was um, this Reddit community found that this Melvin Hedge Fund group was doing this with GameStop. And what they did was they said, you know what? We're going to go ahead and we're going to buy stock in GameStop. At the time, it was like three bucks. Mm-hmm. And they said, we're going to buy stock in GameStop. And what we're going to do is, now, if we buy enough, if there's enough collective action in this in this stock, well, then the price is obviously going to go up. And if the price goes up, that means this Melvin Hedge Fund group that spent ten dollars or three dollars to buy that you know one stock in GameStop, if enough people buy it, well, that means the hedge fund is going to owe money now, and they're not going to come out um, pretty much you know benefit or benefiting from the failure of another business. And so what happened was this Reddit group started to do that, and it started to spread like wildfire. And what people were doing was they were saying, I'm not buying the stock, like almost like the casino analogy, to say that, you know, maybe I'll get something, maybe I won't. They were buying it purposely to hit the hedge fund, the, the, the billionaires that, that you were describing that um, only risk the small people so they can reward uh, they can get the reward and with no risk. They basically said, well, we're going to give a big middle finger to that guy um, or those types and start buying in in the thousands, hundreds of thousands in the stock. Well, when they did that, obviously the stock rose. So it went from $3, I want to say a few weeks ago. Now the stock is being held at over $300 per share. And so these billionaires that thought that they were going to – you know, cash out going straight to like what you were saying. Now they owe money. And the number that I read today is that they owe over $70 billion with what is going on. Good. So this Reddit, this, this Reddit community that just kind of, you know, it's not just the Reddit community now. Now it's like everyone is basically using the system to say, hey, screw you guys kind of thing. People are buying Good. From the lower to the middle class, if you have $3 or if you're investing $50,000, everyone in kind of a collective voice is saying, I'm not doing this thinking I'm going to get money. I'm doing this to give you guys the finger. 
and and the rewards that are coming from it, right? There are some people, and and it's, it's interesting to read if you just kind of Google it, you'll read you know articles on this that are coming out almost like hourly, where people are like, you know, I have been you know since the pandemic happened, since I was you know out of a job, since I was out of pay, you know, I saw this on Reddit or I heard a buddy talk about it, I invested my last paycheck into it. Um, the, you know, it went up and I, you know, I sold half of my stock and now I have food, even name brand food for my kids. And, you know, we're going to be able to eat this month or what have you. So, you know, there's like this residual effect that is occurring basically because they're, they're using and following the rules of the system to get the big finger to, you know, these, these one percenters type of thing. And I think that, you know, it ties into what they're calling it is the, Wall Street protests of 2008 that I think you were talking about, um, 2.0. And in this case, the billionaires are freaking out. If you just YouTube some of this, there was a guy on today, I think it was like on, I think it was on Fox News. Um, he's, he's a billionaire donor, and he was crying, basically saying, <laughs> this is wrong, and this is whatever. And, and, and the effect, going kind of to my point, is this is something in which it doesn't matter if you're conservative or liberal, if you're Republican or Democrat, if you're rich or poor, middle class or poor class, everyone. I, I mean, it was crazy to see Ted Cruz retweet Ocasio-Cortez saying, I'm with her 100%. I mean, who would have thought, right? And I so don't understand, have, to be honest, what the hell is going on. It seems all very technical. I mean, I don't have the energy to invest my time looking into it, but yeah, it all makes like sense. Unless like shit like this comes to like a stop or like we start putting in more trust laws and regulating the banks and whatnot, you know, these cycles are just going to get more frequent. I mean, they absolutely. have been getting more frequent. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And, and I think what, what, what's happened is, you know, a, this 1% class was just kind of betting on, well, you know, the people are poor, the people are broke, and, you know, it came out there sick, right? Like, this was something like never would they thought that um, a handful of people on Reddit would start investing into stocks that would screw them over because no one is as rich as they are, right? So it would take either a really rich person like Elon Musk or the collective of hundreds of thousands of people doing the same thing, both of which isn't likely to happen. Well, it's happening. And so they're in a complete panic. And, and, and the point that I was making is this is something that reaches far beyond any partisan lines. It, does, it has nothing to do with Trump, has nothing to do with Biden. It doesn't matter if, if you're a Republican or a Democrat. This is about an issue that, that they're saying, yeah, the system is broken, the system is corrupt, and I'm going to put well, down money even if I don't see a return in fighting back against that system. So here's – how I imagined sprinkling it into, you know, your story, or maybe I call it our story. I don't even know anymore. But uh, it's that, you know, I'm, I'm really pissed off and I'm really, I, I miss the idea of, you know, that we sort of lost our American culture. Like, I'm a big follower of music. Um, I, I love all kinds of music dating back. I thought the 70s was probably one of the best times for music. And if you just sort of read the tone of the music, you know, mm -hmm. post-70s, things changed. And people couldn't put a finger on why. And then further down, you know, 
there was the 80s and i always hated the 80s music and i could never pinpoint why but now it makes sense uh i the 80s seemed to be like more of a delusional basis that things are going well you know everybody's in like high pump stupid hairspray tacky color things and whatnot and then post 80s you get the 90s and then i think there's like maybe a realization that things aren't that people are maybe living under solution then you get bands that are all sad like nirvana and uh eddie vetter and just sadness and then now there's like there's a track where people are just like there's an explosion of like differences but everything sort of sounds the same and that seems to be that uh and i'm just thinking of this now that you know we can't keep being sad all the time we got to do something different but at the same time it comes off different but at the same time the overall tone sort of sounds the same uh mm-hmm. but the way that i'm sprinkling is like i'm fucking missed the fact that there used to be like culture in this country and it used to be that you know if you just worked hard and whatever you could actually get what you wanted you can actually like live the american dream and whatnot yeah. but now yeah. you got to be wealthy just to get into the club it used to be you could, yeah. anybody could get into the club now you got to be wealthy yeah. or wealthy to get into the club and when you do get into the club you could do it on the backs of the people behind you that can't afford to get in you can be like, you can take their money and risk it at the club but you don't have to risk any of your money yourself which just makes it's just crazy to me it's just it's insane yeah. Yeah. you can't imagine that well, you know it's got to lead to something obviously and it has yeah and and i think because you know back then it was more about uh your character it was the you know the american dream was built on this idea or you know and part of what it's built on is this idea of you know, depend, uh, your, the strength of your character will dictate how far you go in this country, right? If you put in the work, if you put in the time, if you make the sacrifices, you will make it, right? Because that's what we value. That's what we look, that's what we would re- reward. We would reward you going out on a limb, putting in and sacrificing all the necessary resources to make something happen. You will be rewarded for that. Now, it's more or less about uh, you will be rewarded or the sacrifices of others that you put out, um, that's, that's what will get you to the top, right? It's not so much about you, but who can you, ex- who can you either A, expose or um, exploit, or you know, what loophole can you find? That's what's gonna get you ahead. It's almost like we became too, and I always go back to this, one was ever too spoiled, right? Because it's not, it's not dictated on the character, of, of who you are anymore. It's dictated on on how much you can get away with. And and that's what's going to get you to the top, right? Well, I so think the dream, the dream turns to a nightmare. I think there's only two modes of getting ahead left in America nowadays. And I think, you know, one is if you're good at selling, if you could sell like a high ticket item and you can make money that way, that's one way to get ahead. The other way is to uh, invest in the stock market. I think those are in, to gamble, basically. Gamble with other people's money if you're on the top. You know, if you're like you yeah. know, Berkshire Hathaway or whatever those big investment firms are. I don't understand how that stuff works, but I understand enough. Um, well, and I think on top of that, two to get I ahead would, in this country. I, I would say the third way. 
is going to oh, be who you know. Uh, but that still seems to fall into like investing. And generally, if who you know, well, I can't say that in your case because you've managed to know a lot of people. So I do think I'm wrong in that aspect. But uh, I just imagine like Hunter Biden's kid or something like, you know, who he knows, he'll be able to get in contact with pretty easily, you know, and it just mm-hmm. sort of feeds itself into a loop. And, you know, the old adage, it's not, it's probably a new adage. Maybe it's an old ad. It is an old adage, but it's it's different in tone now. Is that the rich get richer and the poor get poorer? It's true, oh, but yeah. it's different than it was back then, and it's different now. In that, you know, you know, rich begets rich. In the sense that you know you invest in stocks, whatever you invest in, and then you're able to get more rich. Where you know, if you're poor, well, fuck, man, you're not going to have any money to invest in. You're not going to be able to risk somebody else's money in the process either. You're just going to be risking your own money, which is not the case well, with all those other people. It's almost like it's almost like um, like it's like a dull knife in a way, right? Because look, if you were poor 50, 60, you know, 100 years ago or whatever, it would hurt, and not just hurt in the sense of you know physically, right? But but there was a there was a more distinctive. Uh, separation between, and I'm not saying that there isn't now, but what I'm saying is that the threshold for those who have less than, right, those who are, uh, you know, your poor, low middle class, middle middle class, upper middle class, um, it, it's different now than it is back then. Um, there back are when? more. Back, back when? Then say, you know, 60 years ago, right? Like so 1950s? Yeah, 1950s, um, you know, going forward, even you could even go back 20 years ago, right? Between technology, um, between the, you know, and I know I said this before, you know, I don't know of many other countries or cultures that have an, uh, an obese or at least overweight homeless population like we do in parts of LA, right? I, I think that it's, it's in what, what we have here is that we have a class of richness that is unseen, I think, in human history, to be honest, right? I mean, I think that's not that's not too far to say that well, your one percent, your really rich people are really rich, right? More so than others. Yeah, and it, um, it pisses me off because I, I, like I, I keep going back to it because it really pisses me off. I, I miss culture. I miss, you know, yeah. people to be able to make a decent wage and not be hounded by a boss you know, for six days out of the week of their life. Like, they have time to go home and spend time with their hobbies and uh, make great music. I mean, that's how we grew as a culture is because people had some a little bit of money, a decent amount of money, and a decent amount of time. And now you got to fucking work 10-hour days for $15 an hour when eggs cost $300 or something. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, 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 but like, you know, I, I don't think that it would, I think it's where the conspiracy types go, where they say it's by design. Um, I don't think it's by intentional design. I think it's just by a kind of a natural evolution of things. But, but what you oh, have. Oh, no, no, no. It, it's by design. A hundred percent it's by design. Like, these people knew what they were doing when they set up the system. No, I, did. yeah, a thousand percent. A thousand percent. What, what I'm saying is, and, and I guess I was giving a framework to say that, 
I don't think it's by design that both with technology and the fact that people can or, or do not collectively push something like they used to before um, is, is more of a just kind of a natural evolution of things, right? Because back then, I think that you would have more of the masses on the same page to say, hey, the system is broken or the system is working and this is what we like about it, all kind of working in unison. Today, it's fragmented to the point where even if you are someone who's like, yeah, the system is broken, unless everyone is doing something to try to fix the broken system, nothing will change, right? And I think that today you have more people who are complacent in saying, yeah, the system is in, is broken, but I'm just going to go ahead and get on Instagram or Twitter or whatever and just like what I hate about the system or, or whatever, then actually do something, then that separation grows. And, and those the very top think, yeah, 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 we know you don't like us, but, you know, hey, here's this new app. Go ahead and get distracted. Or, yeah, yeah, we know you don't like us, but, you know, if we put the carrot just enough in front of you to make it think like you're about to get ahead, well, then, you know, that, that will suffice for, for long enough. You know what I mean? So it's a frag. The, the voice that would push back on that, um, that pushed back on it in the 70s, which would be more of a collective mindset to say, hey, you know, shit is messed up, um, isn't the same today. Today, it's more like it's fragmented, right? And, and it becomes even more fragmented when you put in the political side of it. And mm -hmm. it becomes even more fragmented with the identity politics. Like, you know, the Wall Street uh, 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 protest that was happening in 2008 was on the brink of really having some change come behind it until identity Maybe. politics. I, I don't, I'm not that optimistic. I don't think so at all. You think so? I don't, I don't think so. Oh, you don't think so? Not, not, not at all. Mm. I don't mm. think. Why do you think? Well, that was all political. You know, these people that are in that class that are making money in the stock, they don't give a shit. They don't give a shit what politics you throw at them, you know, and they're just going to keep moving the goalposts like we've talked about in other aspects of our institutional talk. Like they're just mm -hmm. going to keep moving the goalposts. They don't give a shit. Unless you actually point out to them, like, what's going on, and, like, like, like a bad dog, like, you hold their nose in the shit when they shit on, like, your new Persian rug or something, or whatever, mm -hmm. you know? Unless mm -hmm. you, like, hold their nose in it, like, they're, they don't give a shit, and they really don't care. They, they honestly think, in my opinion, I think they think that they're better than other people. Like, well, this well, guy knew what he was doing. He would be where I'm at, you know, and that's sort of how people talk nowadays. Like, well, if you fucked up, it's your fault. You know, there's, you know, they, they mm -hmm. still go along with like this idea of like, you know, you just got to, I don't want to use the expression, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, but like, they just, this well, idea the that, like, yeah, if, if you like fucked up, no it's your fault. To pull up. The difference now is like, you know, yeah, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. So there's no boot to pull up. You know, that's kind of the problem is like, you know, the bootstrap analogy was meant to be like, you know, put in the work, you know, get to work, uh, put in the hard work and, and you'll, you'll reap the reward. Well, today yeah. it's like, hey, look, there is the work isn't rewarded anymore. That's the problem. Or you, you can't, can't even work. You're not allowed to work. Yeah. You're not allowed to work, but yet the stock market makes money. And this is like the dichotomy that I'm trying to play up here is that there is a definite split between, you know, the, those who work and then those who invest that is com 
completely, those are the two classes left in America. That's it. There's no yeah. more gradients of classes. And you used to live like that. There used to be like different ways you could live. Now there's only two. You can either invest and make money or you can work and be poor. Those are basically, or be get, or get good at sales. You know, fuck, that's, that's the only other, other option. You can learn how yeah, to tell great stories and remember. make money that way. I still remember, you know, and this is coming like from my my grandmother and grandfather, where they would say things like, you know, they would uh, work and have enough money to save to build a savings account that would uh, be, you know, enough to give to their grandchildren or whatever, you know, to kind of set them up. You know, nowadays people are so either a paycheck to paycheck or not even paycheck to paycheck. They're wondering, you know, if the next month they're going to be even having a roof. Um, you know, it gives you an idea of just how far we have left this, this, uh, I guess, system in which you could work enough, get enough, that you could make it not only for your dream, but have enough for, your, for almost like a legacy, right? Enough to invest yeah. into your grandchildren and so forth. Now, you can't even get a name brand food in your pantry, right? And, and, and I don't know, I really don't, how do you fix that? How do we fix where we're at? You know, I think on one it's end. It's easy. Of the, I, it's it's easy. It's not hard. It's easy. You got to put antitrust laws. You got to hold these fucking people accountable. You can't just say that, oh, we're going to invest all these, make all these bad investments in the housing market, knowing full well that you are. And then when the, the whole system fucks up and you want to get a bailout, you don't bail out the people that fucked up. You bail out the people that were victims. You bail out the fucking people yeah. that were in the housing market and whatnot. The people that paid for these houses. Yeah, I, I think I think you hit it on the head when you said accountability. See, see, my thing is like you know I don't know if writing new laws would work because well, I don't think Eric, 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 it, accountability it, the laws it got. It, it goes back to the thing where like those people are paying money to get into the club. They're, they're paying money 100%. to get into the casino on your dime, all right? Yeah. And they're going to risk your money to get in the casino. Well, if you're doing that, then you're going to have to be held accountable. You're not going to, like, get bailed out and, like, you get all the money back that I risked. No, it doesn't make any sense. I risked that money, okay? That was my money that you took. Yeah. And you're going to get the money like back that you took from me? It's almost like two forms of government, if you think about it. It's like you have your federal side that's taxing you, right, and, and, and using that money. Then you have this other, let's say, investor government that is using your money for their own personal wealth. Yeah, it just, and it's they play it's, with each it's other. fucking maddening. It's fucking maddening that during this whole stimulus thing, we only got one $1,200 check. I've had to fucking yeah. starve this year. I've been fucking yeah. putting ramen and eggs together like the best I could. And these fucking people, the stock market's doing better than ever. Makes yeah. It, it, in a just world, it makes no sense. It, it makes perfect yeah. sense how it happened. But in a just sense, it makes no sense. Because the barrier to entry, and here's the thing with the journalism, like, if you look at any journalism nowadays, it's all fucking people that go to NYU. That's not what journalism is about. It's not <laughs> yeah. people 
it's it's about the people from the bottom holding the people at the top accountable. That was always mm-hmm. the agreement with journalism. Not that you're able to spend a hundred thousand dollars on a scholarship. No, it, or whatever. I'm just I'm very impassioned right now. I apologize. I'm not talking clearly. No, no, you're, but, you're spot on. Look, I'll put the cherry on top for you because I think what's happening right now with the GameStop uh, uh, issue is is exactly what you're saying. Because you want to talk about bailouts, you want to talk about giving $1,200 to the American people for the last 10 or 11 months uh, as the replacement for their paycheck, and then helping out the likes of, say, Delta, and helping out the likes of, say, uh, Amazon is getting a fatter wallet you know, by the minute. You know, Look at what's happening right now. You have these hedge fund guys who are literally crying on TV, and, and the new uh, Secretary of Treasury came out and said that they're going to consider uh, what the Fed can do to help bail them out. It's exactly what you're talking about. It's exactly what you're talking about. Here are here are the people playing by the rules, the rules in which these hedge fund guys set. The hedge fund guys are losing, and now the the person who just took over the Secretary of Treasury, who is by by if you read who it is, uh, her name's like Yellen or something like that, um, actually got a speaking deal for these exact type of hedge fund donors is looking at ways in which the federal government can help bail them out. And the talks of the next stimulus checks are where again? You know, where, where are the talks of, of everything that everyone was talking about the Biden administration was going to promise? It certainly hey. wasn't bailing out a hedge fund, guys. Hey, Eric, i got to go to jujitsu yeah. here in about five minutes. But, okay. Uh, here's what I want. Can you go actually ahead and send me that link to that Reddit thing? Because now I've got to... Yeah. So if you know that Reddit link, go ahead and text me that. Um, and yeah. then, like, uh, what are we gonna do? Or so Friday, let's let's record. Uh, I'll text you. We'll figure out a time. Uh, actually, let's just do it now because I'm gonna be too frantic. Uh, okay. Uh, can we do it five o'clock Mountain Time on Friday? That'll work. Okay. And uh, I don't. What do we? Is there something else we need to do next, or am I missing something? Um, I'm gonna. I'll give you. I'll have an update for you for uh, Warnock. Um, and then over the weekend, we'll have an update on the social media types. Um, and right now, we're penciling down Asif for Monday um, for your end. Okay. And uh, so, uh, um, for the weekend goes, and for those influencer people, I guess. I know. I just really want this thing to go through. I just really want this. Like, well, I hear you. Yeah, I just, just really want them to like just post those links and get it done. But uh, that's that's the weekend, so I'm guessing that we do this episode Friday, and then we can get those. Do you think we those people will put the links up over the weekend? They'll get it done. Yeah, I mean, if if they're comfortable with it, you know, it's just going to be uh, the request that I have on the table is. Hey, can I? I'll. Can you just share or send out to your following um, this? And you know, I'll type it up. I'll put in whatever, so we can work on that um, and just have them share it and post it. Okay. Okay. Yep. Sounds good. Uh, okay. All right. Uh, I'll talk to you tomorrow at five o'clock. Then okay? okay. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Talk to you later, buddy. Okay. Yep. Right. See ya.